Welcome into this episode of Nuggets Numbers. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. We are nearing the end of our player review section. Basically, a player profile for every piece of the Nuggets rotation. Had a good time with this one, and this is a special episode, the Nikola Jokic episode, on which I knew I had to bring on a really good guest. Adam Maris will be joining the program after the first segment before he gets on. I wanted to go over the raw numbers and some of Jokic's biggest strengths and weaknesses as a first option, as somebody who the team needs to surround everything around. He has become that guy. He has become a guy that I believe it's generally considered he could be the best player on a championship team given the right formula around him. And there does need to be a right formula. This isn't, he's not LeBron James. He probably will never be. He may never be a guy like Steph Curry who kind of drives that entire thing, though Steph was a guy who also had to have a perfect situation around him. He had to have some insulation, but Jokic isn't going to be LeBron. He isn't going to be MJ. He's an entirely different breed. And because of that, it's important to talk about him as somebody who You also need to talk about their strengths and weaknesses to then form a championship caliber squad. So this first segment, I'm going to go over his raw numbers, his advanced statistics, and his shot profile, which I think is very important. Let's get into it. Okay, first piece that I want to go over, there are 23 qualified starting centers in the NBA. He, of course, ranks near the top of most every category. But the one I wanted to discuss is minutes per game. He's at 32.3, which ranks 8th among starting centers. Your normal names are above him. Carl Anthony Towns, guys of that nature. Steven Adams, I think, is above him as well. It wouldn't surprise me if the Nuggets tried to push up that total just a little bit more. Even though he is 17th in the entire NBA in minutes played at 2,101, because he just doesn't miss games. He's a very durable player. That's something in his body type and in his player profile that is very important. He's always going to be on the floor. To the normal stats, points, assists, rebounds, points per game at 20.2. That ranks third among centers. Assists is at 6.9. That ranks first among centers. Of course, he is the best passing center in the league and perhaps the best big man passer ever. Rebounds per game, he's at 10.2, which ranks 11th out of 23 guys. So he's more of an average rebounder at his position at this point. Though a lot of his rebounds aren't necessarily, like his his good rebounding isn't necessarily counted in the rebounding statistics. He always helps the Nuggets rebounding totals because he does a great job of boxing out and making sure that his guy doesn't get the board as often as possible. Steals per game is 1.2, that's tied for second. Blocks per game is 0.7, that's tied for second to last. When you combine those two together, it's a little bit more palatable, but he's never going to provide massive amounts of rim protection, especially with the way that the Nuggets play defense. With him rotating up and playing at the level of the ball screen most of the time, that's the set that most teams use, especially if they have an elite perimeter player. They're always going to put that guy in pick and roll, and usually Jokic is the guy who is defending that pick and roll. So he's never going to rack up a lot of blocks, even though I think he could raise that number a little bit more if Denver played a traditional scheme. 
They just don't, and that's one of the reasons why Denver's defense has been better over the last couple of years is because they have used Jokic in the right way defensively. Two-point percentage is at 59.4%, which is 10th out of 23. That's actually really impressive, and here's why. Jokic has to do so much in the two-point in the two-point area with his mid-range shots, with his post-ups, rolls to the rim and usually hits a short floater. That's not something that most of these centers are asked to do. Most of them are asked to just dunk when they get to that distance. So few of them are asked to do more than just roll to the rim and and get those kinds of numbers. So him being at 59.4%, that is higher than a lot of guys. Let me check that real quick. I know it's higher than guys like Joel Embiid, uh, players of that nature. I went too far. Just a second. Oh, no, I'm on the wrong tab. That's okay. Um, But either way, he has done a great job. He's one of the best finishers in the NBA, one of the best mid-range shooters in the NBA. I think that has gone a little bit too far, though, and I'll describe that in a little bit. Three-point percentage is down to 31.4%. That's one of his career low marks. It's a little bit alarming that it got down to that level after being at 30.7% last year. This is a two-year trend now, and it's perhaps that the third season of his career, that 39.6% mark that he hit, was just a high watermark and that he, he isn't probably going to hit that number again. I don't know. He seems to go through spells of, of time where he just isn't hitting shots, where he kind of gets in his own head a little bit, and then he goes through spells where he's automatic from that distance. So usually he's going to bring that three-point percentage up when it counts. He's never had an issue of not being able to hit threes, not being able to hit big shots. When the time has called for it, his playoff numbers reflect that, his stats towards the end of seasons when the Nuggets need wins, that reflects that. Um, But either way, he's one of the best shooters at the center position. It just hasn't really reflected in the three-point percentage, and we'll see if that continues to trend that way. True shooting percentage at 60.4%, that ranks 13th. So many of the centers, like I said, they are elevated because of their shot profile, because they get so many shots right at the rim, dunks mostly. He's not going to dunk. He barely dunks at all, so... Here's where we get to the bones about it, is the shot profile. He takes 31% of his shots from, or at the rim. That's in the 25th percentile among bigs, which for a center is really bad. It's very low, and it's a little bit concerning given that's not where it was over the past, over the beginning portion of his career. It's really trended in the wrong direction. On the other hand, 32% of his shots come from the short mid-range, that floater zone, which is in the 93rd percentile. That is extremely high, and while he is one of the most accurate players from that distance, I still have my concerns. I still have concerns that Denver's offense has been trending towards a Spurs-Pacers mid-range fest. I don't like it. I think that Denver's best offense really showed up when Jokic was rolling to the short rim or ro- rolling to the short mid-range and he he will hit that shot if that's the only one that's open but he also hits the easy passes when they're open too I don't think Denver's done a great job of spacing the floor around that set 
and teams are going to continue to give him that mid-range shot because it's the best of a choice of bad options for the defense. He does a great job of making the most of it, but I still would like to see Denver try to get him to get all the way to the rim. Takes 16% of his field goals from the long mid-range as well. He, that's in the 90th percentile. He's still very accurate from that distance, but it's still a concern. I think it should be concerning just because when you have so much volume in the mid-range, you have to surround that player with players that can get all the way to the rim, players that can space the floor from behind the arc, make it as easy as possible for Jokic. And only 21% of his shots came from three-point range this year, which is average for a center. But when you consider the rest of his shot profile, it's a little bit concerning. Um, nearly 50% of his shots came from mid-range overall. That's, uh, that's going to be a very interesting point to monitor as Michael Porter Jr. and Jeremy Grant and guys like that are probably introduced into the starting lineup. I think that number is going to change a little bit, but even if it doesn't, Grant and Porter are guys who are going to be Maury ball players. They're going to get all the way to the rim or they're going to get threes just because of how athletic and how long they are. It reminds me a lot of Gallinari and Chandler in some respects. Overall, in the advanced metrics category, RPM ranks first among centers, is seventh overall. Box plus minus ranks second among centers, only behind Carl Anthony Towns, who played so fewer minutes. And it ranks eighth overall, tied or tied with Kyrie Irving, who also played few minutes this season. What this basically says to me about his standing, it's very reasonable to say that Jokic could be the best player on a championship team. How he continues to progress beyond the stats is probably the bigger question, in my opinion. There are certain things that he can do, and I'll talk about them with Adam in the next couple of segments. But I do think that there are some questions about how he can go beyond the stats and being the best possible player he can be. Obviously, this is Nuggets numbers, so I'll save that conversation for Adam, but the stats say he could be the best player on a championship team, especially now as he's reaching his prime. He's has three more years under contract with Denver following the 1920 season. Assumably he will sign a, an extension with Denver at some point. Maybe he will uh, go for another five years or four years or, and if so, that would be great. The Nuggets want as much time with Jokic as they can possibly get. And I don't see his game trending in a bad way. I think he's going to continue to age well. And because of his passing, he's always going to have the edge on a lot of players. It's one of the reasons why LeBron James is as good as he is, is because he became one of the best passers ever. And that allowed him to play point guard as opposed to playing small forward all the time and running around screens and whatnot. So that's pretty much it for me. That's pretty much it for the strictly numbers perspective of this podcast. And now let's get into my conversation with Adam Mars.
coming to the stage, my former boss, head of DNVR, or at least we'll, we'll call you executive VP of, of okay. DNVR. I think that's a pretty that's a pretty good title, even though it's not your official title. Uh, former big stiff of DenverStiffs.com. It is Adam Morris, my good friend. Adam, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Um, I'm I'm excited to be here, and I'm even more excited for the uh, the topic today's topic du jour. Absolutely, I I gave Adam the option. There are two players that I had to still record a player profile about. One was Michael Porter Jr. One was Nikola Jokic. It was done intentionally just so I could save the best for last, most interesting at least for last. And I gave Adam the opportunity to pick one or the other, and he chose Jokic. Jokic is your guy, correct? Yeah, I mean, MC, it was it was actually maybe a tough decision because I would love to talk about both of these guys. I could talk about them. <laughs> but um, yeah, Jokic, you know, I, it's weird. I've talked a lot about MPJ lately, so I was like, you know, I kind of feel like talking about Jokic. Let's do that. Absolutely. No, it's 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 uh MPJ has really dominated the headlines for Denver over the past year just based off of his trajectory, based off of where he started, based off of what he showed. So, it's nice to kind of circle back and really understand what helps the Nuggets offense tick. Uh, Nuggets team tick because this has become a Jokic team. It's it wasn't always like that. It wasn't always fully formed around Jokic, but I think everybody can say comfortably that he's the guy, right? For the Nuggets, of course. I mean, yeah. there's, I think there's a, no question about it. I think there's a you know we've we've disagreed about this, but I, I think there's an enormous separation between him and everybody else, and I think there's an enormous separation between him and all but maybe ten guys in the NBA. Sure. I, he's on a hall of fame track. There's, there's no, there's no question about it in my mind, just based off of what he has accomplished in the short time that he's been in Denver in the short time that he's been in the NBA. If the season were to end today, and I I still think that that's more likely than not, he probably finishes with another first team, all NBA nod at center. Mm, And when you go back to back like that, I don't see any reason for him to slow down at this point. He he's continuing to impress. He he's still in his prime. I, I think he could finish with as many as five, six, seven first team all NBA choices at center. And when you get to that level, there's, there's just no doubting your greatness. Yeah. That would be so crazy. Wouldn't it? How many, do you know how many David Thompson has? How many first team all NBA selections? Is it one? I, I think it's two, but it could okay. be one. Man, it could be I, one. I don't know. Yeah, I don't like. Maybe I can Google this right real quick while we're going. But yeah, that would be wild for him to to be able to pull off like multiple. I'm I'm with you. I think he was clearly. I I put out a tweet after that game against Rudy Gobert. That's the seven. Right. I was just like, it's locked up. He can't not, he can't not win it. Like it's locked up that he is going to be the first team All NBA center unless you get crazy and try to throw Anthony Davis in this mix, which I think would be dumb. But it's 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 so lame because I've I've heard a lot of people try to shoehorn. Anthony Davis into that conversation on purpose, despite right. the fact that it's not even it's not even guaranteed that he's had a better season than Nikola Jokic at this point. People are just trying to get another Laker in there, and it yeah. is what it is. Like that's just that's just how this is going to be. And but I mean that's that's life as a Nuggets fan, right? David Thompson for the by the way two times seventy seven and seventy eight. So also went back to back. What a guy! Like that was that was interesting. Did you see us running our? 
our best nugget bracket over the course of like about a month ago or so. I did. And, yeah. and because it was a voting thing, I, my guy, Bobby Jones, just like, I mean, I, who did he lose to Wilson Chandler or something? Oh no. He lost at the beginning to Nikola Jokic because people voted him as an eight seed. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, that we was, were, that was a little wild. We were so disappointed in, in the uh, way that, that came out, but the voting was done by Denver Stiffs readers, Denver, like fans in general, Nuggets fans. Yeah. And, and I, Bobby Jones is just one of those guys that gets caught in the, caught in the wayside. I think it's crazy because Nuggets fans, there's like seven different types. And, and this is, a, I think, a failure of the Nuggets as an organization. But it, there's guys that were like fans of the 80s Nuggets, fans of the 90s Nuggets, fans of the 2000s Nuggets, and fans of this Nuggets. But there are very few that were all the way through. They're out there. But it's just <laughs> yeah. very few of the guys that were like, yeah, I like all of these ones. And so you end up getting either, you know, whenever you, you do, or not just you guys, but us as well, whenever you do any of these polls, you can always tell where the voting block is. It's like, oh, you're a recent Nuggets fan, or oh, oh you're an old school <laughs> Nuggets fan. Gotcha. Yeah, and of course, Jokic is always in the spotlight at this point as as somebody Nuggets fans, current and old, can still appreciate. So he's going to get a lot of that backing. But I want to take you back to his rookie year, to his summer league, actually. You were one of the first people on the Jokic bandwagon at the beginning of summer league. Uh, let me just get my question up here. When you first saw Nikola Jokic, did you ever imagine that he could reach something like this? What the the player that developed these sort of skills? No. So you mentioned it. Like I was I was sold on Jokic after one game in summer league. I think I yeah. wrote the article after two games in summer league, um, <laughs> just saying that I thought this guy was like the next Mark Gasol and could be, could be really really good. But I didn't think he was going to be a like a number one option on a team. Good. I, I thought like okay, the passing is there, the footwork is there, the three point shot is maybe there. Like you know, like there looks like some things. I was just sold on him being extremely smart, or smart, great feel, whatever, however you want to phrase it. I just had, I was like, he has this thing that nobody else has, and it doesn't pop out. But I, I think I tell people this all the time he threw like two turnovers per game that weren't his fault in summer league it was just yeah. like guys didn't know how to cut i mean they're summer league guards as well and it's like oh man that's a great pass nicola it's a turnover but it's a that was great so and I thought honestly it's it still happens like that that's oh, yeah. still something that he continues to do and, and the nuggets just even even though they have been around him for a while even though they have figured out most of what he's good at uh they, he still throws at least one of these passes a game where his teammates are just not ready for the the vision that he has or the execution that he has on some of the stuff. It wasn't even until, to be honest with you, Ryan, it wasn't until I can't, I can't remember to be honest. I don't remember if it was halfway through his rookie season or very, very, very early on in his sophomore season. I think it was his rookie season that, you know, the box plus minus was off the chart. The per 36 numbers were crazy and the efficiency was nuts. And you were like, all right, there's something here, and I think he's good. I think he could be an all-star. But I don't think it was until that December 15th-ish run that I was like, oh, he might be a Hall of Famer. Like it just, I, I remember very distinctly it was kind of like MPJ's January where it was like every right. night it just kept building and building and building, and you're like, wow, I can't believe he had four crazy passes. And the next night he had five crazy passes. You're just like, well, I guess this isn't a fluke. It's every night he's going to throw a pit to something that makes you just like scream. And, and yeah, I think it was that sophomore season where I was like, okay, this guy isn't an all-star. This guy isn't a good player. He's, he's, he's a number one, he's a number one guy. Despite being not a leaper, despite being not a right. guy who really wows you with the scoring, uh, even though he has 
developed that repertoire of, over the last several years. He continued to make those wild plays, and that's really the, the mark of a fantastic player, the mark of a truly special player is when they can jump off the screen just like that, and, and they make you want to go to the ballpark, or that's a baseball euphemism, but <laughs> they make you want to go to the arena as much as True. you can just to see that guy, and, and he has some of the best watchability in the league just because of that. So He also has some of the lowest watchability in the league for a star <laughs> player, which is like True. sometimes he just like to – it's funny because we're watching this obviously in the shadow of the Last Dance documentary, and of course one of the famous Michael lines is, every night I'd give it my all because I never knew if it was your first time. Well, there's – look, I love Jokic but there's at least 40 games of his career where you're like, Hilkish doesn't care tonight or he's <laughs> mad about something and he's not going to play hard and it's just, or he's not going to shoot or whatever. So, um, but yeah. nonetheless, that's a small quibble. Oh, well, I mean, different levels of guys and different makeups of competitiveness. That's one thing that I've really appreciated about Jokic over the past couple of years. And when they needed him, he brought it every single time. He oh, hasn't, no he hasn't not shown up for the games that he's needed to show up for. So, uh, one question for you. What has been your favorite Jokic season thus far? Oh, it's a sophomore season. This one's an easy answer yeah. for me. But it, And just because it was so new, uh, like I said, I, I, I remember Chris Marlowe calling the games and like in his voice, he would say something like, oh, okay, Jokic is on the break. Let's see what happens. Like, And that's just how you <laughs> felt. Every time he would start yeah. dribbling, you'd be like, oh man, what's about to happen? Something crazy is about to happen. And it happened every time behind the back pass and no look. And you're just like, it, I just felt like every game that season, I was laughing hysterically because it was all such a shock. And I'll tell you something, Ryan, I don't know how much film you've watched since this quarantine, but not watching Jokic play for two months and then watching a Jokic highlight reel, that feeling comes back. And it really makes yeah. you realize like we do, you do get bored of it of greatness and that you kind of forget like, Oh yeah. Cause I'll just watch a random game from January. It'll be like Jokic 23 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists. And I'll be like, okay, it's a good game, but not a great game. And I'll watch the highlights. And I'll be like, this is amazing. I don't remember thinking this game was amazing. It's because we got so used to it, but back in 2017, it felt like every night he was showing us a new piece of his game, a new piece of the future. And you were just like, wow. Okay. One handed hook passes. Oh, okay. Behind the back passes, like oh, no lookers. I, I firmly agree with you. I, I will say that it's, it's my close second. The first is 18-19, this uh, couple seasons yeah. ago, where it, it was honestly more of a validation of the, the yeah. player that he was, the validation of the level that he could reach. Yeah. Uh, something that we had been saying for a long time and saying, hey, you guys got to look at this guy. This is, a, this is an unbelievable player who's going under the radar because he's missed the playoffs a couple of times. When he finally got into the postseason, he truly showed, yes, he is a first-team All-NBA caliber player. He is that level. And, and that was one of the most special things for me because, as, as you know, I, I'm still very young. I, I wasn't able to fully appreciate a lot of the, the mellow years with the playoff run. Every other time with post-mellow, it was a first-round exit. And it was, it was a difficult way for me to get involved as a Nuggets fan, but this really sold it for me and his ability to rise to that level and prove that he could be the best player on the floor against a guy like Damian Lillard. Even that was, that right. was special for me. Und uh, undeniably. I, yeah. I want to talk about 1617 because I knew you would say that it was, it was 
some, it's a conversation that we've had on occasion before, but I'll, I will say this 1819 was rewarding for the reasons that you said. And in the playoffs, just like, okay, he did exactly what I thought he would do. Maybe even better than I thought in his first playoff run or whatever, but the offense was just not as fun to me. And part of it was cause it wasn't as new, but part of it, I do think is structural. Like they just were a little bit sure. less interesting offensively in 1819. So I dug up some numbers on the 1617 offense to figure out why it was elite, what they did, how they figured it out. They had the fourth highest expected effective field goal percentage that year because they shot the third most shots at the rim and the ninth most threes, which if, if you think about the Nuggets offense now, it is completely yeah. different. They, they have, they've worked the mid range. They aren't as, as heavily involved in getting those back cuts and making sure they get all the way to the rim instead settling for a lot of mid-range shots. And the three just hasn't really opened up for them as much. They have the 25th best expected effective field goal percentage this year. And so I wanted to use that as kind of a springboard to talk about the offense in wow. general. Uh, it's, it's bad, isn't it? Like that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's something wild. that's that wild. even with Nikola Jokic as the mainstay, as the, as the, linchpin for everything they've done that they, they seem to have gone in the wrong direction offensively in my opinion mm-hmm. uh, no i mean I, I just want to get your get your yeah. thoughts on why do you think that is where what is the root cause of that and because i have a couple of theories but i want to get your thoughts first well, I want to first say that I don't think I know the answer to this. I, I have I have some thoughts about it, but I don't, and I don't know that it is any one one thing. I think it's a culmination of things. But first and foremost, replacing Kenneth Fareed with Paul Millsap, I think, is a really big thing. Even though Paul Millsap has changed the style, like now he's an outside player primarily, but Fareed put so much pressure on the offensive glass. He was so athletic and just was such a good dunker spot player. I think that had a lot to do with it. So. The Nuggets offense, if you think about it, is three people behind the perimeter, Jokic then being the fourth sort of in the middle of the court player. Mm-hmm. And then one and then with Fareed, it was one person on the baseline. It basically made a triangle or a diamond, you know, top of the key, wings, sure. baseline. And that just spreads the court about as much as you can possibly spread it. And the Nuggets were very good at getting in, you know, getting the ball into that middle of the court zone and letting Jokic attack and find the wherever the defense had to collapse. So I think that was a big part of it um one of the most important parts of it but i think there's other things that happened as well namely teams trying to pick their poison against the nuggets and in Jokic in particular and one of those poisons is Jokic's three-point shot he's very good at it but he's not great and i think if you all things being equal you're going to try to sag off of the murray Jokic pick and roll take away the rim and then force them to shoot three-point shots if you think back some of the great Nuggets comebacks have been fueled by Jokic knocking down threes. You think about that Philadelphia game, if you remember the game winner, he oh, was yeah. ice cold from the three-point line for three quarters. I think 0 for 6 or something like that. In fourth quarter, he starts knocking them down, and Bede has to step up, and then it's just this giant run. They, they come back from like 18 down. So uh, I think those are two big aspects of it. And But the third piece of this, so Jokic is, you know, how they guard Jokic and sagging off of him, and not just Jokic, the pick and roll in, in, in general. Kenneth Fareed in the spacing. And then the third thing is, I think the Nuggets offense has become a lot less about ball movement, a lot less of an equal opportunity, and a lot more of, you know, post-ups, Murray Jokic two-man game, and what I would call, you know, a lot more deliberate, very, very like we're trying to do this thing rather than we're just trying to get the energy into the basketball. That's my opinion. Yeah, and and I would I would 
add on to that, just talking about the DHO weave that they mm-hmm. generally run when the when the Murray Jokic pick and roll doesn't work. A lot of those times it's Jokic picking and popping and he'll yeah. come out to the he'll come out to the top of the key. And if he's not comfortable shooting that three, which as a 31% three-point shooter this past year, he probably shouldn't be. And he will continue to run that DHO game with Gary Harris, Will Barton, whoever's on the weak side. And a lot of those shots just continue to result in either contested shots at the rim, contested threes, or mid-range shots, which the defense is just, they're going to give up. They're going to say, hey, look, yeah. we, we, will, we will live with those shots. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on, on Jokic's role in that, because I still think that despite him being an offensive genius, despite him continuing to make plays, there is some growth that he can have in terms of his own shot selection. You talked about him settling for threes. I think him settling for the mid-range shots, even though he's exceptionally good there, is still not helping matters. I, I would prefer to see him get all the way to the rim as, as much as he possibly can because it continues to put pressure on the rim in ways that Denver's offense just hasn't. Yeah, I, I actually just don't think that's the result of him. I think the settling is more because they're not able to get the defense moving, and that's why he ends up set, you know, having to take a lot of those shots is it's the reason you run such a high-motion offense and you get the ball moving is to get the defense doing this, left to right, back forth, switching, changing assignments or whatever, and it just seems like the Nuggets offense doesn't get that very much for various reasons. But um, and, and one of these is I mentioned Jokic's shooting, but we should also mention Gary Harris's shooting. Like, Part yeah. of what made that yeah. reversal offense where you run a pick and roll on one side, you reverse it to the other side, and then it's like, oh, crap, now we have to sprint over here. Well, teams have just started saying, well, we're going to go under on Gary because he's not going to beat us. And that kills some of that flow. We're going to go under Torrey Craig. That kills some of that flow. So um, I, th- I think there's a, a handful of factors at play. But I don't think Jokic settles for mid-range jumpers. There are times when I think, like, okay, you could probably have rolled a little bit harder on this, this play or that play. But I think – by and large, Jokic does not want to take that mid-range jumper unless he has to. I just think he has to a lot in, the, in Denver's offense of the last two years, three years, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's very fair. He is He's 98th percentile in mid-range shot frequency as a big. He is 96th percentile in accuracy, though. He makes a lot of those shots and yeah. is extremely good in that area, especially especially that short floater, especially he's, he's become a good isolation player, somebody who can just stand and shoot. I would say that I would say I would differentiate between the like eight foot floater and the like 16, 18 foot jumper. I don't know mm-hmm. if those, those are all counted as mid range. Cause to me the, 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 the floater is like a great shot for him. That that's one that, and they almost always come from a healthy offensive action. Like a, those are, those floaters are almost always Murray or whoever's the point guard hitting him on the roll when the defense commits late to the ball handler. Sure. And so sure. that to me, that's like an a plus ending, but, there's a lot of the like pick and pops that are, are not that. Yeah. And, and to be clear, I am okay with him taking those shots. Those like when you're good at something, you shouldn't just not take it just because analytics says you shouldn't take it. Analytics say, Hey, you do what you're best at and you try to maximize that as much as possible. Uh, Jokic, he's a lead in that area. I feel like him being able to maximize the offense as both a three point shooter and a rim threat is very important. Uh, but like you said, Fareed was that rim threat in 16-17. Danilo right. Gallinari and Gary Harris were those perimeter threats, but they could also use those vertical cuts if need be. Those have really disappeared almost entirely. 
as great as Millsap is, he doesn't have any vertical spacing, right? Like it, you're not afraid that you're going to, he's going to catch a lob over you. In fact, I'd be curious to see how many Jokic to Millsap lobs there are over three yeah. years. I would, <laughs> I can't really think of too many. So one, on one hand, right? Yeah, exactly. And how many of Fareed ones can you think of? Like there's so many high profile ones where you're like, Oh yeah, I remember that big dunk. That it was all, it was nonstop. So um, I, I, I do think there's something to that. What do the numbers say? Is it, just this last year is it gradual over the last three that he has started taking more and more shots from the mid-range it is it is gradual it he's he's always been a guy who has taken them he's been comfortable taking them especially that short mid-range where he he's in that floater zone he's been comfortable taking those he had one year where he wasn't great doing that but almost every year he's been fantastic doing it he's one of the best short like floater shot guys in the league and and you never want somebody to do something that they're like they, or stop doing something that they're great at. So I'm I'm very comfortable with him doing that. It's also one of the reasons and we can we can get into this after the break, but I'm very comfortable with Jeremy Grant as the replacement for Paul Millsap at least offensively. He's going to be a better short roller assistant than what Paul Millsap was because he can get out to the three-point line if need be Mm -hmm. but a lot of his spacing is going to be I am going to dunk all over you because I can jump out of the gym and he's going to throw that uh, Jokic is going to throw that ball up to the rim and and Grant's going to catch it and dunk it I, I I wonder about that he has the tools too Jeremy Grant has surprisingly few posters for a guy as athletic and long as he is. I mean, think about it. Fareed was nonstop dunking on people. Fareed's not as good of a player, but I'm just saying just in this one thing, like he was always catching bodies because he jumped so fast. He jumped so high and he was fear. Like he knew that was part of his job. Jeremy Grant doesn't seem to be that guy. Like he does, he, he has a few bodies that he caught this year, but he rarely is dunking over people. It's almost like he's trying to avoid that contact and, that's one of the things I wonder about him because I think he would be elite at this as well if he was just nonstop trying. It's funny we rewatched the 2009 series, right. um, Birdman Anderson trying to dunk every time and foolishly so. Like half the time he tried to dunk on someone's like, dude, you had no chance. What are you doing? But it's just it was his mentality it was just elevate, try to go over, and guy try to go through and just don't be afraid. And I feel like Jeremy Grant is mentally his his mind doesn't work that way. It's very possible. It's very possible that just continuing to get ingrained into a new offense, that could be something that he's still yeah. getting adjusted to. Uh, I still think that when it comes down to it next season, he, Porter, Jokic are going to look really good together. Uh, that's something I've maintained for a long time, that even on both sides of the ball, they're going I to figure so it out. So, uh, so but either way, when we come back, we will talk about more ways that the Nuggets can continue to create great offense around Jokic and whether they can win a ring with Jokic as their best guy. We'll be right back. And we're back, Nuggets Numbers. I am, of course, joined by Adam Morris of DNVR. Make sure to find all of his work at the DNVR.com. He's going to be great. Uh, this next segment, and this will probably be the, the, the primary main segment for the rest of this podcast, uh, Jokic winning a ring. How can the Nuggets and Jokic best win a ring is probably the biggest question for yeah. this Nuggets team going forward. They have their guy. They know that he's going to be their best player in all likelihood for the foreseeable future. 
how can they best surround him with the pieces that they need to surround him with? And I'll lead with this. If you had to pick one player in the NBA to partner with Jokic, who would it be? And my only stipulation is that you can't say Giannis Antetokounmpo. Man, I don't know if Giannis would be the guy. Um, it might be. It's really, I mean, that would be, look, that would be a great one. Like anytime you ask these questions, there's like 10 guys. I was like, yeah, I would take that. I would take sure. Kawhi. I would take LeBron. I'd take all these guys. Um, man, that's tough. That's really, really tough. I, I Maybe Kevin Durant would be up there. And here's part of my theory. I don't think Jokic has had perfect running mates for Jokic over these last few years. And he's been really, really good. Right. If you gave him better shooting, because I think the Nuggets haven't had great shooting during this run. They've had some good shooters. They've been streaky shooting. So they've had moments where they've been really good. But I don't think they've had great shooting. So I think that the, just the, the same type of player but a little bit better shooters would be good. The thing I'm wondering, and part of why I'm so excited about MPJ, I think there's something to the system and the counterpunch. And this was really true of the Warriors with Durant. This was really true of uh, the Cavs with Kyrie and LeBron, where LeBron ran the show. Every play went through him. The system was him. But the thing that made the system even a little bit better was you had this one-on-one -on -one guy that if you just had to throw it over across the court to Kyrie and you've created a mismatch where the defense is tired or they're scrambled, you've got an elite one-on-one -on -one guy. So I think KD might be that great cutter, great length, phenomenal shooter, can be a guy that you just throw it to and give Jokic a few possessions off to say, hey, take your breath. He's going to take over for a while. Um, so he would work inside the system, but he'd also be a great counter to like no system this time, just KD ISO. I'm, I'm fully here for that. That's actually the guy that I, I listed as well. Just a <laughs> long athlete, elite shooter, somebody who can create for themselves, but can also create for others just a little bit, uh, just to give Jokic a little bit of a break, like you said. Uh, another guy, like you, you mentioned Kawhi in this conversation. I yeah. think you could throw the entire Toronto Raptors offense into that. As they're an offense yeah. that 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 generates threes at a high level, uh, but when that system breaks down, it's it's usually about Kawhi and what he can do as a one-on-one -on -one player. So this conversation yeah, isn't necessarily so good at throwing to tall cutters. I, I and I think this yeah. is part of why I loved Wancho with him as part of why I think MPJ is going to be great alongside him. If he can stay healthy is that if you're short, you have to create, it's just like football. If you're short, you have to beat the defensive back by like a full stride for the ball to be able to reach you. If you're tall, you just have to get like side by side by the guy and you're just going to outreach him. The same is true for bigs. And that's why I think KD would be, uh, or, or I'm sorry, Michael Porter w w can be a phenomenal cutter to Jokic because you only have to beat him by a half second and then he's got you. I, I, I fully agree. It's, it, I don't want to make this necessarily about Porter, but I want to make sure. it more about just, just the system that Denver can form, just the team that they can be looking to create around Jokic in general. You've coined the term long boys over at DNVR. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the thing that I think everybody is looking for when it comes to Jokic, just these long athletic players who can shoot, can create for themselves, but can also create for others. And I think there are several players on the current Nuggets roster who do fit that yes. mold. And Porter, Porter's chief among them. Grant, Grant, Grant is also right there, yeah. Grant is right there. Barton, specifically at the two, is right yes, there. I agree. P.J. Dozier is there. I agree. Uh, Bull Bull. I, I we, we we don't know really, <laughs> don't but know. like hold hold on to hope as long as you can, I guess. Hey, he's the longest boy, is what he yeah, is. Yeah, he really he really is. This is the the Nuggets final form in uh 
<laughs> you know? Can you imagine? I honestly so dream about it. Like there's these lineups with Michael Porter at the two, and it's just like, who cares? We're so long, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, I would also throw two other players in there. I would say Jamal Murray at the one. Although he's not a super long player, he's big enough for yeah, most of he's these not small. for against most of these guys. Uh, he's bigger than a guy like John Morant, for example. Uh, he and is. another guy that's kind of surprising. Yeah. John Morant seems longer. He he he's stringy, and yeah. and when you when you're stringy like that, you at least have the appears the the appearance of being very long. Um, he actually looks like a spider. Uh, the other guy is Tory Craig at the two. Yeah, which doesn't get a lot of discussion just because I love that you brought this up. He's, he's been in, com- he's been in conversation for the starting small forward job for so long as has Will Barton that a lot of people continue to forget about them as, as shooting guards in Denver system. And my question to you is in your ideal world, would all of those players be in the rotation if, if at all possible for this Nuggets team just to surround them? surround Jokic with as many long athletic players as possible? Uh, yes. Uh, Torrey Craig's the one that I lo- that I think is tricky. No matter how you slice it, it's tricky because I do think that you have to have enough ball handlers on the court. And so if you have, like say, Jamal, Torrey, Michael Porter, maybe that works because Michael Porter is a little bit better of a ball handler than I anticipated. I don't think it works now, but maybe a year or two from now, Michael Porter running the pick and roll is like, oh, of course you run pick and roll with him. He's great at it. Sure. I don't think he is right now, but maybe he can build towards that. So Tori's the one that makes that a little bit more difficult, um, in my opinion. But P.J. Dozier, same thing where he's not a shooter, but he's such a good ball handler, such a good pick and roll downhill runner that I think it, were, it more than makes up for that. And he's, by the way, I think he has some defensive chops in there too. Like I think P.J. Oh, yeah. Dozier has what it takes to be an elite guard defender not he's not going to be swift versatile or whatever but he can he can guard some guards so 100% absolutely think all of those guys are Jokic players um with the exception of Craig who is as you mentioned at the two just it's a little trickier sure and and you have to have specific circumstances like you said for all of these guys honestly because you can't necessarily run an offense with just those guys without Jokic as we found out as good mm-hmm. as Mason Plumlee is, there there are certain limitations that you have with him as your Jokic facsimile. If you can't shoot, if you can't space the floor, then it makes your long athletes a little bit less impactful from what I would say. We've seen this all year with the with the Porter Grant Plumlee lineup, with Craig in the in the bench units. There have yeah. been lots of examples, I would say. Uh, but there are so many ways that the Nuggets can go from this point forward yeah. that I think that, that they have a lot of options when they're trying to win a ring. If, if you're saying, how do I best win that? They can go any number of directions. And the, the concept of trading for a star continues to be brought up. Does Denver need to trade for a star in order to be in that title class? Well, we don't know that. That's the big question. I, I, they might. We might look back at this podcast in five years and be like, what are we talking about? Of course they needed to move on from so-and-so or so whatever. Um, but right now, they need either Michael Porter Jr. to become close to his at true potential and stay healthy because I, I think Michael Porter can be that quote-unquote second guy then Murray's the third guy. Or they need Murray to take a leap and be the version of himself that is the best. And we've seen this is with MPJ. We've seen flash. We've seen so little of it that it feels almost crazy talking about with Murray. We've seen a lot of it. It's just, we've seen it 
50% of the time for, in my opinion, 50% of the time for two years, sure. like it, it, to be that type of player, it needs to be 80% minimum or more. So, um, so maybe not, uh, but we, we just don't know that. I don't think we know the answer about MPJ or Murray yet. Another question about team building. The Rockets decided that they wanted to build to take down the Golden State Warriors over mm-hmm. the past couple of years. They yeah. centered their entire team around being able to go small, about being switchable, right. doing their best to really compete with a team like the Golden State Warriors that is now broken up, I would say, or, or at least a less version of themselves. And, and the Rockets are looking around and saying, okay, now what do we do? And they've gone even smaller just to try and compensate for that. Should the Nuggets be trying to build to take down these LA teams? Or should they be building independent to what other teams are doing? I think independent. Um, and the answer is because you just don't know. I think you can outsmart yourself trying to do this. You need you don't know who you're going to face. And by the way, the Clippers are different than the Lakers. I actually think you would yeah. build slightly differently to beat one of those. So what if you we prepared for the Lakers, but now the Clippers won. We're like, oh, we're not prepared for this one or vice versa. Um, so I think you can get a little too cute with that. The thing I would say about in the Rockets defense, they did design their team to beat the Warriors, but they also designed a team that was really good. I mean, sure. even if the sure. Warriors didn't exist, <laughs> they have gamed the system in that, oh, switching really kills ball movement. Like, we just know that this is an era of ball movement and three-point shooting. Switching kills that, and now you're going to have to ISO us. They've perfected isolation basketball, for which there really isn't a cure for. Now, you can argue that it's hard to reach the top pinnacle. Like, you ha- you're you really counting on James Harden to play his best basketball all the time, and now Russell Westbrook. But they've at least created this, like, style of offense that they can at least count on night in and night out. There's not a whole lot to it. That's the beauty, sure. like... The, the Spurs in 2014 required five guys all on the same page and accepting the role in this or that. The Rockets just required James Harden to be on that night. It's like a much simpler, yeah. in some ways yeah. simpler, to be like, yeah, we just know what we got. It, they have one of the highest floors in the league, to be clear. One of those teams that, that night in, night out, like you said, they're going to give you probably an A or an A performance but they're going to be taken down by the A plus teams. They're going to be taken yep. down by a lot of those other variants. And I wonder for the Nuggets specifically, if there's a way for them to raise their floor without capping their ceiling too much, Ooh, because they have, they have these guys who are so long and so athletic and have so much potential. Michael Porter, Jr. Bull Bull. Uh, Jokic obviously does what he does. Uh, Murray is probably more of that floor raiser as opposed to floor or as, as opposed to ceiling raiser. But actually I, I'm not even sure about that. No, they're, Cause when they're, he's on they're they're, they're awesome. Like that's the yeah, thing is Murray's yeah. best games. It's like, man, that's a knockout punch. So I'm, I'm wondering if the best version of the nuggets completely changes how opposing teams are able to guard and how they, how they continue to handle some of those assignments because a guy like Jokic, he, he obviously creates so many mismatches just with the way that he plays. But if you add in six foot nine guys, six foot ten guys, a guy like Murray who can space the floor out to three, uh, there are so many different ways that this team could reach that pinnacle. It's just about will they be able to. It's just about how many of those guys can hit their potential. Uh, I just don't know if there's a star potentially available that you would want to prioritize over what the Nuggets could build. 
if there was a guy, I would say Drew Holiday, but only because he doesn't touch that Murray Porter Jokic core in all likelihood. Do you mm, do you feel the point. same way or 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 man, it's interesting. I was just talking with the you know, some of the other guys about how building a team, you it's like building a three-dimensional cube, right? The right. the two-dimensional of it is the skill set. You need guys whose skill set fits. The third dimension is you need guys whose personality fits. And I actually think with this Nuggets team, I'm almost more focused on the second part of that, the personality, the vertical part of this. And that is to say that this Nuggets team is very nice. They've got some hardworking guys and this or that. I wonder if they just need a little bit more of a, 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 a driver, just a little bit more of a guy that's the vocal, loud, in-your-face, today we're working hard, every single day we're waking up, we're doing this, just that personality type. And um, I think Jamal Murray's a gamer. I think that he wants to win. I don't know that he's a guy that knows how to like look around the locker room and be like, yo, are you ready today? Are you ready to do this? Let's go out there and do that. You know, I just don't know if he's that. I'm pretty sure Jokic is not that. Um, maybe there's some version of that he's growing into. I think it's entirely possible. But I just wonder if they need the Chris Paul type, the Jimmy Butler type, somebody of somebody of that that personality that has to be, by the way, has to be a good enough player. You can't have Richard Jefferson be that guy. Right. Like yeah. it has to be that somebody was, that's good. That enough. didn't work out very well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't even think Richard Jefferson is that guy. But like, for example, Patrick Beverly. I don't think Patrick Beverly is going to get the Nuggets over the hump. He might help them and push them and this or that, but you have to be better than Patrick Beverly to be that guy for the Nuggets. So I, I think that's a big part of it. Um, uh, is really the personality part of it, or just just that. And by the way, these guys are 25, 23, 22. That's not an excuse, but there is time that they grow this organically, that they sort of learn some of these lessons. Yeah, I'm fully in agreement there. I didn't mention Chris Paul, but he's also somebody on that list of guys who – if you could get him without having to touch those those young pieces, that just, they win a just makes you you think so? I really you think, think so. I really think that. I mean, look, you need health, and you need health from Chris Paul, who is old and yeah, small, yeah. and you need yeah. health from Michael Porter, who's never played a healthy season. So those are two big <laughs> ifs. I don't want to undersell those. And Chris Paul has a ticking time bomb. Like his his age makes him like at some point he's just not going to be good anymore. Who knows when? Could be tomorrow. But I think if Chris Paul was your point guard and Jamal Murray was your shooting guard slash second point guard, like you, you basically just have two guards and Oh, by the way, Chris Paul can shoot to me that that team is incredible. Absolutely incredible. I wonder if there's a way they could swing that deal because to me that, like you said, he's that, that, guy who's going to drive you in the right direction, knows how to win, despite the fact that he's come up short on a couple of occasions. He he does know how. He, he understands the process. Yeah. If there's anybody who hasn't won that understands the process still, it's probably Chris Paul. Like, so John Elway I, I, was called a loser in 1996. Can't get yeah. it done. I mean, I always think yeah. about this. Like, it's Chris <laughs> Paul right now. Chris Paul could win back-to-back titles and retire, and nobody would ever remember that we talked about him as not a winner. And I hope yeah. I almost hope it happens for Chris Paul because he's a fantastic player. Truly is. He's Was. he's I I think he's better than Isaiah Thomas, but that's okay. <laughs> we we won't we won't get into those kinds of discussions. But uh <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't really have that much left for you. I, I would just ask, I know that you would pick Porter over Murray in terms of a guy that you would prefer to build around with Jokic specifically. Uh is Murray down that list of guys that is already on the Nuggets roster 
that you would still build around? Like, would you prioritize Barton over him? Would you prioritize oh my any God. No, these no, other no, no, guys? No, there's like, a huge gap after the, those three guys mm-hmm. to me. And just to be clear, Michael Porter is still more of a mystery than he is a certainty. I, I just think right. that I've seen enough to know that like, oh, if that broke right, he his ceiling is just so high, just so yeah. insanely high to me. I actually think it might be higher than than Jokic's. I don't think he's going to reach there. I don't, oh, it's almost like a person's ceiling is is completely theoretical. What's likely of him right. is of can be a very, very good player that's not as good as Jokic, but he he's just fantastic. And I, I just think he's a natural scorer and he has all these different talents, but Murray obviously right there as well and after that is in my opinion a giant yeah it might be bull bull and and the only reason i say that is because (laughs) i know it's not the other guys you know what i mean like i know i know will barton can't be your second best player i that's just yeah that's murray murray might be able to mpj might be able to bull bull might be able to who knows i i i <laughs> Let me push back on that a little bit because they both play center right now, and it's just going to well, be very hard don't. to. Oh, maybe they don't. Maybe maybe no, Bull Bull's your starting we three. We didn't talk though about one thing that that it's a little bit of a Murray thing, but I do think Murray learning or being willing to take the pull up three is also another part of this equation. Like if he can, if he is better at just that quick get into your shot quickly off of the high screen. I actually think that also will open up Jokic's role game a little bit. So um, that's sure. another piece of it. And actually, it'll open up Murray's game a lot too because that would – if he successfully does that, I do think he can be the number two guy. It's just – it's really hard to go from not really ever being comfortable doing that to doing it at the volume of, say, a Dame Lillard or you know one of those high-volume pull-up yeah, three-point sure. shooters. And, and honestly – that that level of expectation that that pull up three, how many times you have to hit it at the rate that you do, yeah, it's yeah. it's the expectation for an all star point guard at this point, yep. for, or for an all star guard in any in any case. So, do you remember five years ago when nobody took those? Yeah, it was considered a bad shot until Curry came along. Still, so Curry <laughs> did it. Now everybody's like, okay, I guess I better learn how to do this. It's actually really hilarious. People don't. I don't. Maybe the youngins who've only been covering this or only been watching watching the NBA for like two or three years don't realize how absurd it is to shoot a pull-up three-pointer because it was considered a dumb shot five years it's ago. It's really hard. If you, if you don't have it in your repertoire, it is not something that, that you should probably shoot in a game because yeah. there is no way that you can make that. It's a lot of respect to the guys that have, that have been able to perfect that. And I still do think that Murray has that capability in him. Uh, it's it's going to take a higher volume and a higher efficiency to be clear. I'm not sure um, he wants to. That's the thing that concerns me. But I hope he I hope he does because I actually think he has the talent to do it too. Yeah, I mean, it might take a year or two of like working up to the efficiency mark. Like he might be 34 percent on that the first year he starts taking them at volume. But I think he can get that up to 30. What do you need to be 37 percent? Uh, really? Yeah, it's really it's really 36 37 percent to be considered. Yeah, you're really good at that. You are yeah. you're really, really good. Um, but either way, hey, man, I don't really have that much for you after this. Uh, anything you want to plug before you before you hop off here? No, man, I just want to just plug you guys because this was fun, man. I could talk <laughs> for another hour. I'm like sad it's over because I, I miss talking hoops with you. And, and um, so this was, a, for me, this is a very, very fun conversation. It, 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 it's fun to talk nuggets and it's fun to talk with you about these, these theoreticals. Oh, absolutely, man. I, I, I always enjoy these conversations. It's, it's very high. It's, it's high bar conversations for sure. Like where, where you can, you can at least have a, have a very competent conversation in, in there with, with somebody that I feel of course knows the game as well as you do. So 
of course, hey, you guys are doing great over at DNVR. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for everybody for tuning in to this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Next week, we will be talking about Michael Porter Jr. in much the same vein, seeing what he could be. Uh, That'll be it. We'll see you guys next week.